They're prominent, they're successful, and some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua, saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. My, my drive is to wake up and do good all the time. If part of that doing good is a successful story or is a success thereof, it's just a bonus for me. So I, I really do not wake up with a vision to, to be successful or to be ahead of so-and-so. I just wake up with a dream that says, can I make this day a better day than yesterday? So I know how the, the day went yesterday, but I don't know how this one would go. Can I take this new challenge? I, I would say probably the success is to have an inquisitive mind, to wake up every day and say, what can I do better? To always wake up with a research mind to say, I know all these answers, but I can tell you there's many more answers I don't know. How do I get there? And therefore drive yourself into that. And in so doing, therefore you become successful in some of the things that you do. A freedom fighter, Robben Island prisoner, doctor, lecturer, husband, father, and comrades marathon finisher. The KZN Health MEC, Dr. Sbomseni Lomo, has squeezed in a lot into his 56 years. We meet in his office in the Durban city centre. It's the office of a scholarly man. Papers and books are spread out across his large desk in an industrious and not decorative fashion. We escape the imposing desk for a comfortable couch. At the time, we had a misfortune in this province of doctors going on a, on a strike, which was the first of its kind. I then had to go and sit in a clinic and see patients. One of the things that I got trained on was uh, is HIV management because I realized that uh, I'm going to be a doctor for a long, long time. And to, to be a doctor in South Africa, in Wazul-Natal, and you do not know HIV management is really not going to take you anywhere. So I went to do that uh, postgraduate training, and now I'm able to see. So you can take me any time to any clinic and really work there. So I try every week to spend half a day doing what I could call clinical work. I was really fascinated and inspired when I read that you had just gotten this diploma in forensic pathology. I thought, gosh, where does he find the time? Mm-hmm. And and the thing that struck me, and I wanted to ask you about, you're very accomplished already. You're a medical doctor, you're a you're health MEC. So one could easily say, oh, well, I've arrived, I've done it all. What keeps... What drives you to, to strive for more, whether it's academic or, or anything else for that matter? It's something exciting. I learned this when I was in Robben Island. When I went there, I already had my degree, my first degree, medicine, Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery, which allows you to practice as a doctor. But since then, now I've got three degrees and six diplomas. When we were there, our leadership told us, that, look, you are now here in prison and you don't have all what you're doing, all your guns and bombs are out there. Try and feather yourself academically. So I did my PA there and I found a great opportunity because being a doctor, I can tell you, I always tell this to my doctor that you guys are better than you <laughs> because we as doctors are, are very good to answer questions to say, what are the causes of a headache? You just list them, one, two, three, four. You don't write essays. For the first time, <laughs> doing sociology, doing psychology, having to answer a UNISA exam with writing 20 pages was just a nightmare for me. <laughs> so I tell, that was an added uh, new challenge that I had to face. But nevertheless, I've since moved on to do other things. 
I just want to participate in what I call a lifelong learning. I can tell you all diplomas I've got, I've never regretted having done all of them because they've added in me a new thing that I never knew or never heard of. So uh, like right now, I was just sitting and looking into the program of a college of medicine. I'm picking another diploma that I must actually start preparing myself for and write. So I'm really, I don't know, I think it is in me to have a lifelong learning. I can tell you right now, I'm going to be learning something new every day. And that's how I, I, I put the outlook in life, is that in outlook in life that you can't know it all. But for me, it's exciting not to know it all and look for something more every day. Dr. Tloma sees practicing medicine as a calling, but it was also about fulfilling his father's wishes. In 1957 at home, there was a maternal death. My father lost his first wife in 1957. He lost the wife while she was giving birth in the hospital, baby number eight. And therefore, this little one grew up in a hospital in what my father termed the bottle, which is now I know is an incubator. <laughs> so my father said, hey, I wish I could know how doctors are doing this miraculous thing of a baby without a mother growing for so many months in a small bottle, which he called an incubator. I pray to God that maybe one day I'll get one of my children becoming a doctor to help me to understand this miracle. So I therefore think I was, I was an answer to my father's prayers and wishes, and therefore I take it from there. But um, because... Coming from a very poor family, where our education was supported by every year, my father had to sell a cow so that we could get money for school fees, shoes, books, and the rest. Every year he had to do that, so because he, could, he had to support his middle, uh, middle salary. So he was only a truck driver. Now, I never desired anything else other than medicine. In fact, when I was doing what long time ago used to be called JC, a junior certificate, <laughs> people would divert from junior certificate, JC, and go into a teacher training. So it was my turn when I finished my JC. So I said to my parents, no, I would want to go on and do matrix. Why? How? So fortunately for me, I actually applied for Sugar Lovo to give me a pass. I'm grateful to that company. They gave me a pass to go into my matric. I completed matric and then my parents said, Where now? Can you go in wealth? No. My dream is becoming a doctor. Where do we get money? Nowhere. So I had to go and work after my matric. That's when I then got a chance to be asked by uh, my cousin, Oscar Tom, why are you working? Why are you not following? I said, look, I need to go into medicine, but for now I'm working this year so that I could have enough money to go into medicine. So I think my desire and my dream of becoming a doctor had something to do with my family blessings and my wish. So I had never wished for anything else other than just to do this yes. part. And once you had reached that accomplishment and once you started practicing, what did medicine teach you? Firstly, I now realize that it is a calling. It is something that you need to do out of heart, not because there's a pay at the end of the month, because what we are doing is almost close to godliness. We, we, we marvel that God has given us this opportunity to preside over his people about their health. Dr. Loma comes across as being too gentle for the hurly-burly of ANC politics in KwaZulu-Natal. He seems content in serving people and his party by being the custodian of public health care in the province. It's his second term as MEC and he's frank about the challenges facing his department. I always say to my colleagues, our staff members, Look, um, what we are involved in in health is not a career situation where you come in and just 
get a career which is uh, to propel me up. It is a calling. It's a career that in it there's a calling. If you lose this touch of a calling, rather than you leave and look for something else. I've always been uh, criticized for, I, ma- I made a very big mistake. I said, you must leave this job and go and become a, a tractor driver. <laughs> and therefore, some of the other people said, oh, you mean people who are actually in agriculture, people who are, <laughs> who are failures in life. So I don't want to name a, a profession. All I'm saying that our, our profession has a calling in it. If you lose that calling, rather you move out. There is no patient who will come to me or anybody who's a health worker and have it in his or her mind that this health worker, by the way, is unlikely to help me because he's or she's angry or has a difficulty at home or is not willing to talk to me nicely. They don't do that. And I always say if I go to any shop, regular shop, I go and buy my groceries and I find the people there very unfriendly, I can always move on to the next shop and buy that. But if you come to a health facility, and maybe that is the only one that your bus fare allows you to get into, you can't get people who are going to be unfriendly to you and say, no, I have a luxury to move on to another health facility. That may be the only one in front of you. So I plead with our people to always remain true to their profession. We passed our professions, but we take an oath as doctors, the nurses take a pledge, and all our professions take a pledge where you commit to remain true and, and, and confidentially keep the information. So that's my main challenge that I face. And I always say this, uh, it doesn't mean you must be good and nice to patients only they come in the morning at 8 o'clock and by lunchtime you, de- you, you change your, your attitude. Because that patient who's coming in at 2 o'clock is not the same as the patient who was there at 8 o'clock. So rather have a good... Uh, the Batupili is to be applied right through the day. Rather you give out and stop doing that if you can. But healthcare in the province continues to improve under his watch. Life expectancy for men and women in KZN has risen and is now the highest in the country. He's particularly proud of the rollout of ARVs. The MEC doesn't just preach about living a healthy lifestyle. He's run the Comrades Marathon twice, a big adventure which left him with some valuable life lessons. What it taught me was to say when I leave Debian and I run and my desire is to get to Peter Marisberg, Midway around Kettle Ridge, Hammersdale, everybody is getting tired, but they continue to persevere. Therefore, that what actually tells me that uh, it's only not the comrades, but any other task that I face in life, it may get tougher and tougher on the way, but I must keep on moving. Because someone else could have gone the same way I went through, and therefore they are where they are now because they persevered. So it was a, a lesson that has really taught me in life that uh, maybe good things and success stories in life do not come easy. Uh, you need to persevere. You need to push on for as long as we are alive. But let me tell you a very interesting story. <laughs> on the second comrade that I did not finish, yeah. it was also in my mind. I said, you know what? I'm going to finish this comrades marathon. But I will finish it, and the next thing I'm going to go to the ICU and die. <laughs> so let me stop halfway, because your body can tell when it is just not going to make it again. You could feel it that, no, 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 this thing, I push it. That's why I say sometimes some of the people, we, we, you know, once every year we lose one or two people, yeah. and there's hospitalization of people. So, so again, while we desire to really make achievements in life, and maybe comrades is one of them, you also must check and consider your body. 
They're prominent. They're successful. And some are more than a little controversial. They're real South Africans on face-to-face with success. Brought to you by real people with real solutions. Nashua. Saving you time, saving you money, putting you first. Find more real success stories at thesolutionslab.co.za.